Welcome to Place Matters, a podcast about the intersection of race, place, and poverty, where we explore the belief that the path towards ending inequity and promoting prosperity is through the work of holistic neighborhood development. Welcome to one of the series we will do on FCS's three pillars. This series will focus on the pillar of neighborhood engagement. I am Sean Duncan, the Director of Training and Consulting for FCS and the host for Place Matters. One of the factors that define the health of a neighborhood is its level of social cohesion. The strength of connectedness people share with each other and their collective ability to support one another and create meaningful change in their community. And we break social cohesion down into four vital indicators. And so we're gonna explore two of those indicators each in the next two episodes. So in this episode, we're gonna explore the importance of sense of place and neighborhood connectivity. Joining me today to talk about sense of place and neighborhood connectivity is our Director of Neighborhood Engagement, Pamela Stringfield, as well as Katie Delp, the former Executive Director of FCS and currently the Senior Vice President of Network Member Support at Purpose Built Communities. Katie, I want you to take us back to the early days, FCS. FCS has been around for 45 years, but in South Atlanta for over 20. You've been here that whole time, which means you moved here when you were 12, yeah, right? 12, okay, mm-hmm. moved here when you were 12. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so how did FCS lead with proximity and neighboring in those first years in partnering with South Atlanta? Well, those early years, um, there was a... There's a couple of different ways okay. that FCS uh, got connected. First, there was there was a staff of people who were meeting with residents, creating some plans, mm-hmm. um, really hearing what folks wanted, you know, out of the housing and uh, kind of the economic development and some mm-hmm. of the school pieces. And so there was a degree of some a formal process that was going on that is important to this work. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in parallel, there were... Um, folks who are choosing to move in and make South Atlanta home, who mm. some were on staff with FCS, some weren't. They were kind of loosely connected. And some who had kind of done this work before, too, Who so they weren't completely, this wasn't a completely new con- okay. concept or context for them. But they had, you know, they were urban savvy. They understood working cross-culturally. Um, for people at that time, too, um, all of deep faith, right, had a connection mm. to being a really good neighbor to also their how they lived out their faith. Mm. And so um, and so a lot of myself included moved into the community at the age of 12. <laughs> was a, a lot little, of freedom. A little bit older Katie's than that. Katie's an overachiever. Let's just say she's always been a little mature. I was a little older than that, but it was a group of, of young adults as well as some other families who moved in and we just simply decided to show up and be really good neighbors. Mm. Some people were school teachers. Some folks were... Um, working actually in our local schools. Others just had other day jobs, and some were working for FCS. I think that's mm-hmm. always important to understand that mm-hmm. not everybody was staff of FCS. Yeah. Um, but we all kind of had a common connection and mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and simply, we just got to know our neighbors. Mm. We And some of the intentional time was definitely spent with seniors mm. um, 
to really soak in the history and understanding of the place that they have called home for so much of their life. And then, of course, we got to know kids pretty easily. Hmm. Um, we were young, so we hung out with a lot of kids. We did some programming, hmm. especially some kind of high impact, easy, you know, youth programming. We would organize people into sports teams and we had an after school program and mm-hmm. um, just also ha- just showed up and made our lives and our homes open mm-hmm. uh, to to folks. And so just spent a lot of time, I always say, on on front porches yeah. and, um, and making a really intentional decision to choose local mm-hmm. um, before we chose other things. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that set a course for the 20 plus years of FCS here that the, that relational fabric is always a part of every equation, a decision that's happening. In your new role with Purpose Built, you're able to see communities around the U.S. that are also in this place-based work. What would you say that you've seen as a unique nature of how proximity or neighboring works itself out in South Atlanta maybe versus some of the other communities you've, you've visited? Yeah, I mean, I think FCS has always had a distinct uh desire just deep in their DNA to really Mm -hmm. care deeply about people and the people in a particular place Mm -hmm. and really putting place, I mean, putting people over any sort of strategy Mm. and, and really also realizing that you're not going to execute anything Mm -hmm. very well Mm -hmm. if you haven't, if you don't have people doing it with you. Mm. And that sometimes slows down your work. Mm -hmm. I actually think always enhances Mm -hmm. uh, the work that you're doing in a place. Um, And Personally, it's a whole lot more fun. Mm. It, it, this is like fixing these problems you're, and solving things that are like... Very well, heavy. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> we've just set up a system 400 years that we're yeah. trying to undo. Yeah. And if you don't have deep connection with the people mm. in the place that you're trying to work, you're going to burn out so fast. Yeah. But people yeah. often say like, how did you not burn out over 20 years? And it's because I have, you know, I'm doing this alongside... Mm-hmm not just neighbors, but friends, like folks are my deep, mm. like I'm in really, really good, strong relationship. Like mm-hmm. so many of my neighbors are my friends and my family. And so that mm. really sustains the work. And mm. I also think you come up with really different solutions mm. when you're in close proximity. Yeah. So I do think FCS has, um, has figured that out better, but you also say that always with a lot of humility mm, mm. because relationships are, are, can be fragile yep. um, and they're not transactional. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want anyone to ever think that that's why you're, yeah. you're doing it. Um, but really it's because the work is, is so much better mm-hmm. um, when people are at the center yeah. of it all. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And so you were executive director and our de facto neighborhood engagement director for a number of years. <laughs> And about five, six years ago, you made the decision to say, I've, I've got to get somebody else in this seat. Four or so, five years ago. It was that short of a time it, ago. Was it, just five, it, was, it was five years ago? I've not even been here that long. Yeah, it feels like forever. Five, like you're, yeah, five. I'm yeah. almost five. I'm five this month, next month. She's anyway. Little, she's a little older than five. But she means she's been here for five years. No, so five. what made you say, because I remember you like, you're like, I've got somebody in mind. You, you like, And it was that... Katie Sparkle of mm-hmm. confidence, you know what I'm talking about, Pam? Mm-hmm. She's, she knew exactly. She had sights set. So what was it about Pam that you were like, this is who needs to take this spot and drive this into the next era? So I knew Pamela through her husband, mm-hmm. who I had done some work with, and I'd just always been impressed with the way she carried herself in all kinds of spaces, right? Mm-hmm. That she was always in very diverse rooms, be it racially or economically, and she just showed up the same for everybody. Mm. And I admired that. I could tell she had tremendous leadership ability. And she was taking some time off. She had had her boys. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought, ooh, I wonder if I could talk her into coming <laughs> those hands, over here. Those hands. Those Katie's, hands. If you're only listening, you can't see Katie's scheming hands, but we're familiar, Pam and I. We yes. know what those hands mean. <laughs> know them well. And, be, and, and I think, too, Pamela lived really close, just in the next neighborhood over to South mm-hmm. Atlanta, from South Atlanta, and also had chosen that community very intentionally, and her and her husband Ryan and their boys were mm-hmm. living very intentional lifestyle there. Mm-hmm. So I knew that she had all the things you couldn't train for, right? I can yeah. we can teach the skills that are needed mm-hmm. for this work, the the theory and the mm-hmm. why you do certain things, but I knew she had the emotional um, maturity and was able to just really navigate lots of different complex relationships and and get energy from that mm-hmm. instead of like <laughs> flailing about. Um, but also that she was just a, a person that people were really drawn to. Mm. And so I knew that was always really, really important mm. in this work. So. Yeah. And Pam, I can't believe it's only been five years as I can't imagine FCS without you being central to what we're doing. So I'm curious, why'd you say yes? And as you said, yes, and you enter into Ooh. FCS, like I know there's a lot of Connected relationships beforehand, but like really entering in, you're now part of the team, one of the directors. Like, what what did you see and observe that said, "This is why I'm saying yes," and this yeah. is what's unique about this this team, this organization? Yeah. Um, well, I, I've uh, well, first of all, I grew up hearing a lot about the Lupton Center. I knew Bob from books and stuff. Mm. I went to different conferences, CCDA and mm. others, and I'd spent a lot of time in those spaces. Mm. So a lot of the work that Bob was about mm. was just like central to me, just okay. my experience. So yeah. I'm a literal product of people doing this work. Mm. Uh, and so, and I feel like they did it well, not, it wasn't perfect, they're mm. not perfect, but they did it intentionally. They were invested in my family, mm. in our community. There was a lot of dignity uh, that they brought to the table that they taught me mm. to of how to see my own family because mm. I only saw brokenness and they're like yeah, and there's more, mm. and so um I saw something modeled to me, mm. um in such a way that it just felt like it became a part of my DNA mm. where I, um as a young kid, remember telling my mom like someday I'm gonna come back to the hood as mm. I would say, and I want to be a part of change here like I want to mm. be a part of this being better, and um. I would say that throughout my life and different people would either be with me or mock me. Um, Mm. But as I, as I keep following my life, that's just been a part of it. I've Mm. tried to do corporate America. I was really trying to do that. At one point I asked my pastor, like, should I go to the army? Like I was trying to do anything else other than community (laughs) development work. And it just is like a gravitational pull. It just keeps pulling me Mm. in. And um, so I don't feel like I have to really find this work. It's Mm. just so central to who Mm. I am. It's just, it's just a part. Mm. Um, and so, like Katie said earlier, like my husband and I, we moved to the city mm. uh, because, and we moved where we live, um, not because it was a nice piece of real estate we could afford, but because of the neighbors that mm. we met out the gate. And so because of them, we're like, mm, this is a little challenging neighborhood, but we wanted to have lives that were mm. flipped out and not just in a little comfortable, quiet place. Mm. And so the, I, this was an easy yes for me okay. um, because, again, of just how I grew up. And where my life was staged at that time with my husband of saying, mm. we want to have lives that are lived in such a way that people, we want to be able to embrace people. Mm. Uh, we want to have just flipped out lives mm-hmm. uh, and making space for neighbors and um, living intentionally and in proximity to people. So when Katie came scheming on my porch, <laughs> uh, my husband told me she was coming. I was like, mm. oh my gosh, what? I've always wanted to be friends with her, but mm. we'd, our worlds just never connected. And we sat and talked for, I don't even know how long. It felt like a long time, but then not a long time. Mm-hmm. And I could not believe at the end of that conversation, I was hearing myself say things like, 
I think I want to try that. Because mm, mm. um, at first I was like, no, wait, am I doing that? Because <laughs> um, I just never, I was telling my friend, I was like, I just felt like it was for a different personality. Mm. That I'm, I tend to be more thoughtful. I'm more uh, internal processor. Mm-hmm. I'm not a serious introvert, but I have introvert like tendencies. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I definitely am like, what's up, people? Let's, like, mm. I like to turn up. Um, but I thought you needed a different personality. I didn't think mm. I was a person for this role. And, mm. Um, but my husband was like, you should take this. And Katie mm. was like, you should take this job. <laughs> Her fingers told it all. Um, and so I said yes. And it was honestly the best yes, other than saying yes to my husband. Mm-hmm. It's probably been my strongest yes. Mm. Um, so I, when I just walking in the first mm. day, um, opening the door, literally felt like I walked into another world. Mm. And it was like Pam's world. Mm. Um, and I've just really felt the wind of favor at my back, mm. being in this space of just people who get in their ethos, not just on a piece of paper, but mm. just in the DNA baked in mm. um, at a very, very real visceral level of like, we are going to be with people, period, point blank. Mm-hmm. We're going to live lives mm-hmm. and not just produce uh, programs mm-hmm. or product, mm-hmm. uh, but we want to have lives that are literally connected with people where when they are excited, we get amped, mm-hmm. and when they hurt, we hurt. When they get real mad, we join them, mm-hmm. uh, and as a neighbor and also as a practitioner. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, it wasn't just a job for yeah. me. It was just, it was like breathing. So it's like breathing yeah. in the atmosphere I've always been breathing in. Mm-hmm. So it was a very easy yes. Yeah. So over the 20-plus years here, our you know programs have come and gone. Some good ones, some not so great ones, you know. Think what was some not so great ones? That's the question I would ask. That's a different podcast. <laughs> That's episode number one. Uh, you know, needs change, neighborhoods evolve, like people come and go. Like so, there's constant change. So, what's the essential of neighborhood engagement? Like, what's the what's the thing that doesn't need to change throughout the evolution and eras of different staff, different people in neighborhood, different issues? Like, what's the kind of essential core that should always remain when it comes to neighborhood engagement. You want to start as the Ebenezer of all this? (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think two things. I think you just have to stay connected on the ground and you can't Mm -hmm. over program the work. Mm -hmm. Like there's something about just showing up um, that I can do and we can do all this work from nine to five the real good stuff happens in the evenings and mm-hmm. on the weekends, right? Or in the morning and in your driveway. So I think you've got to understand that this is more than a job. Mm-hmm. That you're always mm-hmm. kind of always on because people are always on, right? Mm-hmm. And you just mm-hmm. have to keep people um, central mm-hmm. to all of it. I also think there's real wisdom. When, this is said around FCS a lot, but that you put the needs of the neighborhood over the needs of the organization. Hmm. And so you can choose to serve one or the other, right? They, mm-hmm. The Bible says you can't serve two masters, mm-hmm. right? And I think sometimes um, you've just always got to choose to serve the neighborhood first when that can sometimes be in tension with mm-hmm. the needs of the organization. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is hard, and sometimes there's a, a tension there. And that doesn't mean that you're not still really executing in a strong organizational model mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. of that. But sometimes those can come into tension. And so you always have to choose neighborhood, yeah. even just for, even for sometimes it's a season. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think that there's always a win mm-hmm. long term mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say a couple things. So that's essential is uh, I don't know how to say this. So sorry for the Christianese language. <laughs> but uh, if you're not called to this yeah. mm-hmm. and you get into this, you're crazy. <laughs> Um, 
Because, I, as I often say, and we all know doing this work, that people gone people, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. life will life, um, mm-hmm. this work will work you out, mm-hmm. and it'll take more than what you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you need to know, like, I'm, I need to, I'm about something. Like, mm-hmm. I'm called to not just come and execute a program. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can come do that. I'm not slapping your hand if that's what you need to do. We mm-hmm. need programs. But this is going to require a touch more than that. It's going to mm-hmm. require life. We often talk about this being life on life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not program on life, not yep. program on program, but yep. you are asked to bring your very self to this. So people will see you not just the uh, happy Pam when I'm like, what's going on? But they'll see me when I'm grumpy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on a call today with some friends. I was not having a good day because my kids were going ham. <laughs> and so they got to experience Pam when she's not, when mm-hmm. I'm not the person I want to be. So you want to mm-hmm. make sure you're called to this because it is a hard work. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure you're called to this because this work is a long work. Mm-hmm. Um, we are talking about development and not simply relief. We'll mm-hmm. always have things that are going to be constant, but we're also about like how do we go upstream and and figure out what changes can happen at the top or at another mm-hmm. level in order to curtail some of the challenges we're seeing on this side. Mm-hmm. So um, you need to know that this is going to require you more than mm-hmm. maybe a nine to five. Um, it's going to maybe hit you at your off hours on the holidays when it's your kid's birthday, when it's a vacation. We've had some things pop up in the neighborhood. I was on vacation. I'm calling from Florida. What's going on? Um, <laughs> girl, so-and-so got you. You know, mm-hmm. just stuff. Mm-hmm. So things happen, mm-hmm. and it's going to interrupt your life. But that's the point of this work. My mm-hmm. husband and I realized early, because I like things to be real neat, mm-hmm. and I have two boys, and so I learned very quickly things are very They're rarely neat. neat. They strike me as very calm and neat. <laughs> not so much. Uh, but it's it's such a paradigm or it's such mm-hmm. a model for where I am in my work. Like, it's not a neat little box I can just mm-hmm. put away, tuck away very nicely. It's not all bowed off at the end of my day or end of a, a fiscal cycle. Like, mm-hmm. it's not... Uh, and so it's going to require things from you. You're going to see mm-hmm. things about yourself that are awesome. Like I've learned a lot of leadership things here. Mm-hmm. And you actually come to the end of yourself where you're like, I do need this mm-hmm. neighbor to get me mm-hmm. over the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, or I need this neighbor to take it. Mm-hmm. I just need you to do it. Yeah. And so there's a place. So yeah, I, so the, from, for me, those are the two essentials. You need to know you're called. Mm-hmm. And you need to know that this is a long game work. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I, go ahead. Oh, I'd add yeah. one more thing that mm-hmm. I think is essential, and I think that's joy. Yes. yes I think yep. you have to laugh daily. A lot. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um, or, you're, if, or it's just going to be too hard, mm-hmm. right? You cannot take yourself seriously. Mm-hmm. We're solving serious problems. We're looking at hard things. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't counteract that with a lot of laughter and with Levity. people that you really enjoy mm-hmm. being with, mm-hmm. um, you will. You just can't, you just can't yeah. make it. I mean, I think that's yeah. through, like, all of mm-hmm. – <laughs> lot of life right mm. and just the state of our country and everything yeah. like mm. if we can just keep laughing at ourselves mm. at you know the absurdity of things that we sometimes see during the day mm. um it just mm. it really really brings a lot more mm-hmm. longevity to yeah. the work i don't think you can underestimate just joy and laughter in the work yeah, and no. i would also say sorry to interrupt no, you, no, like go. the importance of having people to do this with mm-hmm. so i mean i've loved the fact that i love the people that i get to mm-hmm. serve with and yep. it's been really fun to bring more people in and for them to go oh my gosh you guys are so great so i mean mm-hmm. katie's been awesome mm-hmm. uh and then the new people we have coming on now like everybody feels like you're my peoples even mm-hmm. though like i don't know why i would have anything in common with you yeah. but it, this is what makes it um easy to stay in the game because yes, you have people absolutely. who can run with you and you want to run with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I, I find distinct about uh, FCS's culture or posture around neighborhood engagement that, uh, I, how to language this, 
so I think there's something to be said for like boundaries. Like, like yes, we get interrupted. Yes, this is mm-hmm. all the time, every day. But there's also like, well, how do you, you know, you protect your your boundaries and your own personal well-being and health and et cetera. But I think part of the self-care mantra in this work, there's this um, kind of division between like the work drains me and my hobbies slash spiritual practices slash self-care mechanisms refill me so then I can go back do the work which then drains me and I'm like I just think like you'll burn out mm-hmm. if that if, mm-hmm. if the mm-hmm. neighborhood and the people are what pulls out right. of your battery and then you've got to go do something else to refill the battery though there's a little bit of truth like we all have things where we've got to withdraw completely sure. for our own and, and yes there's truth to that but there's also sense like that kind of battery metaphor mm-hmm. you're I don't you shouldn't be in the work if that's how they, if this well, how that functions for you. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know yep. it's one thing if the work, work and yep. programs and execution deplete you, yep. but when relationships begin right. to deplete you, yeah, and like, then I think there's some work to to explore mm-hmm. there because for me, and of course this is Katie the extrovert mm-hmm. <laughs> talking, <laughs> like the work can be tiring, and I've worked really hard to create you know mm-hmm. something. But I actually, and when I'm at my most tired, mm-hmm. I get more life and the mm-hmm. most life from those I live around. My closest yeah. friends are a lot of my neighbors, yeah, right? Yeah. And so are some of those technically recipients of the program? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't see that. And that's to me, that's the difference. Right. That's, that's the real the, difference. Yeah. And actually, they give life, they, get, they give me more life because mm-hmm. it justifies the work. Mm-hmm. And then it's also because they're really authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. And then... When it's real, it's just not as exhausting. Right. I mean, yeah. that doesn't mean, you know, mm-hmm. relationships can yeah. be, but it's a different... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't be depleting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That there, there's additive. a... I mean, th- that's the nature of neighboring when we use that language mm-hmm. or proximity. We're trying to talk about these mutually beneficial mm-hmm. relationships with neighbors that, like, yes, there are massive problems to address. Yes, there are things to fix and solve. But if our neighborhood or our neighbors are only in that category of that mm-hmm. which needs my help, then you're... Yeah. Then you're carrying a lens yeah. of like, I'm always holding the weight right. of everybody else's well-being mm-hmm. and like, just not sustainable, mm-hmm. right? But like, when you're just my neighbor who comes exactly. over for the barbecue or like our kids are throwing ball in the street together, or whatever, like when we're just living life mm-hmm. with one another, then that's, then it becomes sustainable to be inter- right. interrupted at three o'clock in the morning or whatever. Like this becomes sustainable because there's this broader network of just, mm-hmm. just real people, real relationships yep. and not a programmatic thing yeah. of some kind. Yeah, I felt a lot of life, like I've, I've gone through, well, I'll say this too. If you've been in this work for a minute, it does get real tired. So, mm-hmm. And we all know that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to get your stuff. Um, and I've definitely been in a season and it comes and it goes where it's like, this is great. And other times like, what am I doing here? <laughs> um, and so I'm coming out of a season of like, okay, that was really hard. This is really hard. And I can get behind my computer and just kind of get into the task and I'm getting stuff done. But I know I've discovered that my lifeblood of this job is mm. being with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I've been kind of in the trenches with all the things, and that's important to this work, I have to lift my head a little bit and breathe and go, you know what, Pam? At the end of the day, I'm not God. I'm not sovereign over none of these details I'm dealing <laughs> mm-hmm. with. I need to just get up, go get a cup of coffee, go take a walk, and let somebody else bless me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just by a conversation, just by laughter, just by seeing something goofy that I just mm-hmm. needed to see that I didn't need to see. Mm-hmm. Um and then one time I went out with, I was having a rough day, and I went out with my team, and we we're handing out welcome baskets or welcome bags at Haven. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a rough day. And I'm handing out some bags, and I get into a conversation with a neighbor. And in like a 30-minute time together, my whole countenance changed. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Like my my team looked at me and they're like, "You're different. Mm-hmm. Like you're back." Mm-hmm. And it was just such an aha of like, I need to stay tethered to real people because I need to see them. They need to see me. I need to mm-hmm. bring my humanity to the table. That's important. I need to witness theirs and take from them when I'm starting to get depleted of, man, we're in this together. I'm not just here to give you anything. Mm-hmm. I need to also be a recipient, just being a human to human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for you just to kind of, we talk about in our organization, know yourself to lead yourself, mm-hmm. the importance of going, okay, I need to get up from this table because I know why I got mm-hmm. into this work. I need to keep remembering why I stay in this work mm-hmm. and what is the lifeblood for me in this. So mm-hmm. knowing like, what is going to deplete from you? What is that debiting? Yeah. What keeps the pot or debiting from you? Yeah. And what's actually going to invest in you? Mm-hmm. So um, if you can figure out what those things are and you can mm-hmm. learn how to push into that. So mm-hmm. I know I need some people time, so I'll go sit in the yeah. coffee shop or go for a walk or go do something else um, because I'm I'm not super extroverted like my girl, but I do need that yeah. people connection because they tell me the story and remind me why I'm This is why you're here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so neighborhood engagement is one of our divisions, uh, mixed income housing and economic development are two others. And those two, it might seem a little easier to measure that we're being effective. We, how many houses have we built? How many have we sold? How many renovated? How many of our units have been rented? How many groceries have we sold, et cetera? So, but with neighborhood engagement, how do we know we're being effective there? Is it just, well, how many families came to Treat Street? on? And like, what is our mechanism to where, and it may be an official spreadsheet you've got somewhere, or maybe just something <laughs> that intuitively you, you just know. Um, but how would you guys speak to like, how do we know we're being effective in, in neighborhood engagement? Oh, um, I would say a couple ways. Well, sometimes we don't always know the impact of our lives mm. in this work. Well, I'll just process this. I don't know mm. where this is going to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I'll think about my... Sorry to make this about me. <laughs> Pam, this but, is all about you. That's why we're here. <laughs> but, you know, like you look at your own life and you don't often think about the impact of your own life. You just mm-hmm. look at yourself and go, does it really matter that I'm here? Mm-hmm. Does it really matter that I'm at, F- at FCS or doing this work? Somebody else can come in and do this job mm-hmm. or, do, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, this work reminds me of like, like I'm important in the mm-hmm. right way, not like I'm important. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, there's a place for me to, to, to be here in this work. And, yeah, so I just think that that sometimes you don't often think about like the impact of your life, but it's important that you show up to this work and that you participate in this work uh, and that you lead and you bring who you are uh, to this. Um, we do have a tool that, the other side of that is we do have a tool called the F&I. Mm-hmm. So it is a measurement tool that we use. Uh, one of my favorite little measurement, there's like several different components that measure mm-hmm. the health of a neighborhood. One of my favorite ones is called sense of place. We mm-hmm. may talk about this a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And so um, my team, we get to implement this survey um, every other year. And so I've every year we've done it, I've always been surprised that that is our highest ranking mm. piece. Yeah. And that's shocking to me because we, we're we not Buckhead. Mm-hmm. We don't have all the bells and whistles. We don't have the mm. movie theaters. We don't have all of the fooderies, mm. situations, and we don't have all that. Mm. But when people talk about this neighborhood and they talk about, like, what's important to them, mm. um, what makes a house a home, or what makes you, you know, feel good, or do you, are you excited about your neighborhood, or what are you proud of, or what's the history here, um, people often rank sense of place, or they, they have mm. ranked it um, multiple years in a row, mm. that this is, like, they love their neighborhood. Mm. We love living here. Neighbors love being loved. Mm. They feel loved. They feel seen. They feel connected to. They're very proud of this neighborhood. There's a lot of proud folks here. (laughs) Um, I mean, South Atlanta, I've lived in in a lot of neighborhoods, and it truly is my most favorite neighborhood. 
uh, to just know people who are like, I got you. You need some eggs, some sugar, whatever. Mm. Um, people love living here. And we don't, again, we don't have all the amenities. Mm. So it's it's hard to know, like, what makes this, mm. you know, all worth it or how do you measure success? Mm. But that's how, that's a couple of ways that I see how we do of, like, Mm. It's important for me to show up to this work. And people will tell you, mm. like, when you do that or when you show up, that has mattered to me. Or, mm. man, Pam, thank you for making that connection to Haven or to whatever. Mm. That's changed the game for my family because of that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, mm. yeah. That's good. I think it shows up, yeah, like Pamela said, in all these kind of small ways. And there's there are ways that we're mm. figuring out kind of how to measure it. One of my... One thing I've always says, uh, I was talking with one of our former city council people, person, member. I don't know how you <laughs> say that correctly. Council Leotier. <laughs> council member um, who works, you know, her district has probably 15 different neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And she would always say, but people in South Atlanta mm-hmm. seem to like each other more. Mm-hmm. They're just, there is a sense of peace and people get along. And we're probably one of her like, Technically, highest crime, lowest income kind mm. of neighborhood. She said, but there is a there is a different presence around here. Mm. And she's like, I can't always articulate it, but I always tell people like, well, South Atlanta's just so much easier to get work done, and there's more mm. cohesiveness. And I, I think that's a testament mm-hmm. to some of the work of FCS, but people who've put planted deep mm-hmm. roots here for decades and decades, right? Not long before um, FCS came on the scene. And so I think it's, and I have a lot of. Um, comments like that from over the years that I've been able to kind of collect that have mm-hmm. been that really keep you going right mm-hmm. um, and that people really do generally like we love mm-hmm. our neighborhood and people are really proud of it and will show up especially then and really can come united I mean mm-hmm. there's been a few neighborhood squabbles over the years but actually relatively very few mm-hmm. yeah. in comparison I think there's been a strong collective vision about what where the neighborhood yeah. is headed. And I think because of that, everyone has been included mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. vision mm-hmm. and people um, have been able to just form really deep relationships. I mean, people all often talk about like, I moved in here and people were like, all oh, welcoming me. And I was kind of like, <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? Now they're like head of the welcoming committee. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so mm. um, it's really good. Last actually Monday night, this week was 4th of July. Um, an old friend who used to live here was in town. So some p- neighbors who'd been around, mm-hmm. we called the, the South Atlanta OGs all came <laughs> over and we were grilling. And I mean, and two of the men I met as like children and they're there and they're married and they have kids now and they, have, are choosing to raise their families here in South Atlanta. And just to have that longevity, I mean, I think there's no greater testament right there where yeah, interesting. these yeah. are men who have choices, who have done really well, and they could live anywhere, and they've continued to yeah. decide, and I still want to raise my family yeah. in South Atlanta and have the experience that I've had. Like the success story should have been you got out of right. that right. neighborhood mm-hmm. and went somewhere else, but mm-hmm. the success is like, no, I'm, I'm staying a part of yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, when you think about, Neighborhood engagement and, and effectiveness, like are, do we, like there's program participation, there's like civic engagement, people showing up at meetings and participating. Um, there's just sense of cohesion and people are, are kind and they support. Like what are some of the other things you guys are looking at to say like, okay, we we know that what what is happening here is keeping this, this place connected and healthy? I think another piece of this that's important is that people have agency. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that they know how to get what they need mm-hmm. um, from their, from you know, if the neighborhood has it, like they know mm-hmm. how to get that. Like mm-hmm. they know, they know the teachers at the school or the yeah. principal. They have connections with this. They 
or if they don't know, they know who to ask. Mm-hmm. And so I do think there's something about um, people being really well connected and being able to navigate just all the different things you have to navigate mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. being an adult, but then also kind of this agency that they also know that they have a few choices yeah. and that they have people and that they have a network that mm. will help them mm-hmm. figure out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we all need that mm-hmm. uh, ne- that network, Absolutely. regardless of our like economic background or anything. Everything's done through network, and so I, I think there's something in um, yeah, and mm-hmm. na- neighbors having that network, but more importantly, knowing how to use it. Yeah, that is, is something that would be really interesting to mm-hmm. to measure and to mm-hmm. um, and because I, I think yeah. it's very much here. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's been interesting to see. So we we do the the Flourish Neighbor Index with the FNI and, and other neighborhoods, uh, and like some of the timelines we established to implement an FNI, the neighborhoods were based on because that was a tool we devised and created and tested here first before we shared it with anybody else. And so, like our timelines were largely based on what it took to get it done in South Atlanta. But we realized, like, oh, there are some variables that exist here that don't exist mm-hmm. in some other neighborhoods where it's like. So we had to ha- add a whole phase at the beginning that we didn't even plan on, which is like we just get people together, yeah. get them in agreement that they want to work on this together, and like just just getting people coordinated where we could kind of say, hey, let's grab a few neighbors, let's get moving. And we kind of think, all right, that's step one, grab some neighbors and get moving. But mm-hmm. to me, that's one of those sounds like this is being effective because there's a level of trust yeah. that we can move. Like this work is slow. There's mm-hmm. no way to make it fast, but it's faster, you know, maybe just say less slow because we know like – there's a network of trust that we can pull on to yeah. move when it's time to time to move. Um, so there, Pam mentioned sense of place. So there's a couple of indicators on that FNI that we that we measure lots of things in that tool, but some of the indicators are specifically around this idea of the cohesion of the neighborhood. Yeah. One of them is sense of place. What does that mean, and why is it important? So sometimes uh, my best way of like explaining sense of place is um, I will usually ask a question if I'm talking with a group of people, like, tell me something that you like about your home. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me something about that. You, tell me something about what you like about where you grew up, mm-hmm. uh, like a highlight, just mm-hmm. any sort of thing. And so, you know, normally people will say like, oh, you know, I, we went swimming a lot or I'm from Tennessee. So we would uh, we would go hiking or biking or we were usually outside. And mm-hmm. uh, even though I'm brown, I have my Chacos on and we were, you know, <laughs> we we're out doing woodsy stuff, too. Um and so there are some things I loved about, like, the city life and the woodsy kind of natural mm-hmm. nature um, side of things. And so, yeah, so when we were talking about, um, like, sense of place, just describing, like, just tell me about your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we would just ask, like, so, yeah, so when we talk about sense of place, it's like describing where you live. Tell mm-hmm. me what's great about where you live, what matters uh, mm-hmm. to you. Tell me about the history of mm-hmm. um your community, uh, mm-hmm. what's important to your neighborhood? How would you describe it? What mm-hmm. are the boundary lines, um, you know, of your community? Uh, and so that's how I usually would talk about mm-hmm. it. But it's just really trying to get after, like, what is that? How do you feel about a place? It's mm-hmm. that's hard to grab when you're looking at census data. Like you yeah. don't get like, what do you? What are your feelings? Yeah. And you don't get to hear from the neighbor's mouth. Like, what do mm-hmm. you feel about your place? Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to say like, oh, we have a library or a grocery store, but how do you feel about that? Is that mm-hmm. working for you? Is that like meeting mm-hmm. needs? Um, do you? We have eighteen uh, coffee shops, so we don't have any. Like, how does that help or impact your neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the sense of place is getting after like, what do you feel? And all mm-hmm. of us want to feel like our place is home and mm. not just a place where we got a nice piece of real estate. Mm. And so even in a place like South Atlanta, we hear neighbors say like, again, we're not Buckhead, but man, 
This mm. is my house. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so proud of my house. And it's not mm. just a house, it's my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, so we love that people feel so warmly and so connected to mm. not just a house, um, but to a place that they can call home. Mm. I think we all have an innate sense of belonging, like mm-hmm. of this desire to belong. And while I think sometimes we talk about that being like friends or family, I don't think we can underestimate about the place that you feeling that you belong in the place where you live mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that where you live and your neighborhood gives you identity. It mm-hmm. is a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, people ask all the time, where are you from? Where mm-hmm. are you from? Mm-hmm. And if you don't know where you're from or you don't understand or you're not connected to it, you don't. I mean, you'll say something, mm-hmm. but there's something, it mm-hmm. can be something really missing. And so when people feel like they are really from somewhere and they mm-hmm. have that sense of place, mm-hmm. it, it gives them um, just more confidence, more security, mm-hmm. which leads to a thousand other outcomes, yeah. I think, especially for children, but also mm-hmm. for adults. I think yeah. um, there was some study, I'm going to get all the details wrong, <laughs> about um, you know success of children and mm-hmm. all these different indicators. And one of the strongest th- predictors of success for children is if they could tell their family story, mm-hmm. that they knew mm-hmm. where they were from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really important for those of us in community development work, yeah. too, yeah. because even if a family, if your family structure is not strong, Mm -hmm. your community Mm -hmm. can be strong Mm -hmm. and give you a lot of that same identity and sense of place that also could have outcomes and impact on the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and your success. So Mm -hmm. I do really think we cannot underestimate how important it is to Mm -hmm. be from somewhere. It's why cities, you know, have sports teams. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even think it's about the game. It's more about just the (laughs) the (laughs) outlook. It's my city versus your city. (laughs) If we cared about, like, the people on the field, Mm -hmm. we'd be upset when they moved to a different city. We're just cheering for a uniform, right? Like, and it's that place that mm-hmm. connects us mm-hmm. all and so i think neighborhood is that too yeah. it's like where are you where are you from and so people if they can articulate it I, yep. there's just a there's a difference in their identity and, and mm-hmm. who they are and how they live and mm-hmm. carry themselves in the world you know, we've done enough fni so far where we've got some preliminary findings kind of at the aggregate like all, all the all the various neighborhoods together uh, and something we're beginning to see is that actually this sense of place indicator uh, I think I'm using the data terms right. I got I'm liberal arts educated, so so <laughs> forgive me if I'm using science words wrong. But I think it's a lead indicator, meaning if you pair two neighborhoods who statistically demographically equal, right? Um, but one has a high sense of place mm-hmm. in their ranking, and the other one puts the, it would would rate that low. Actually, all the under indicators are going to come out higher, also, right? Because people feel like I know where right. I live. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of where I live. Mm-hmm. I, I know who I am, and I know the story of this place, and I know the people of this place. So I have a, a real sense that this place is not just an address for my mail to show up mm-hmm. or for my car to park, right? This is, I am a part of the fabric of this neighborhood, mm-hmm. not just a vague community, but a real neighborhood. Um, but yeah, so we're beginning to say that this, this doesn't just matter from a sense of like, oh, I'm proud of where I live, and that's where it stops. Like, no, there's actual other life outcome impacts to having a sense of identity and belonging to a, mm-hmm. to a neighborhood. So one of the other ones we look at is just neighborhood connectivity, how, how connected are, that one's a little easier by terminology to understand, with the weight and volume of the problems we're trying to solve. You know, affordable housing as one amongst many massive mountains to climb, why would we invest time, money, and energy just making sure people are connected? Like, why is that, why is that an indicator we care about? I think there it comes back to a couple of things. I think it comes back to that successful people have a network. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so if we want our neighbors to be successful, they need to have a strong network mm-hmm. that is working for them and on their behalf. So mm-hmm. that connectivity is, is really important from that point of view. I also think, um, you know, especially current as a society, we're all really lonely and we're Dang. disconnected. And so what if we're committed to creating a neighborhood that's well connected, we're doing something incredibly countercultural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know from all the data and everything else, that it is the right thing to do mm-hmm. and that people will thrive if they are connected. Period. Mm-hmm. Period. I mean, we can do all the programs and all the stuff. I kind of, this is, I think, why I also kind of love this neighborhood engagement work because you talk about mm-hmm. sense of place and neighborhood connectivity. You don't have to have a big budget mm-hmm. for any of that. Like mm-hmm. neighborhood engagement in the FCS budget is actually the smallest, smallest mm-hmm. but has so much impact mm-hmm. yeah. because you don't have to have all the mm-hmm. bells and whistles. Like this mm-hmm. is just... Like, this is just showing up and being yeah. a good human. So, mm. um, yeah, I think, mm. I don't know, I lost my train of thought there, but <laughs> it's, it's so powerful. And mm. I would say the flip side of that, not to threaten anybody, but what's also at stake if you choose, if you opt oh, out. threaten us, come on. Yeah, yeah threaten us. Um, and so, I mean, I think about, like, not to make it about me, but, like, you don't have boots on the ground. You mm-hmm. don't have people mm-hmm. who, we describe neighborhood engagement a lot of times of like that connective tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talk about it as like ears and eyes. Like you don't get that informal intel mm-hmm. of that you have a great program, but mm-hmm. is it really connecting people well? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it really having the impact that you desire for it to have in the community? Mm-hmm. How is Miss Sally really doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you may have fed her with X pounds of food, but mm-hmm. y'all don't know that she's struggling, like she depressed mm-hmm. or whatever. And so the neighborhood engagement work, it really helps you get that data. And when you come to pull off mm-hmm. some sort of sexy program, mm-hmm. um, you already need that trust. So if mm-hmm. you've not invested in that trust, yeah. in that relationship, and then mm-hmm. you come... You you only come to me when you need something. At some point, I'm gonna tell you get out of my face. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to know that I'm a human being, and I'm mm-hmm. not just here so you can like check a box yeah. and get something for your funders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so people will smell that a mile away. And so it's important to have people mm-hmm. who are saying, no, 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 for real, we are here. I mm-hmm. was recently at um, a neighborhood that's not too far from us. Um, a lot of folks have moved in, have come to that neighborhood promising lots of things. Mm. It's a historical challenge as well. Yeah. But I got to have a front row seat to that challenge. Mm-hmm. And one of a concerned, very vibes, vi- vibrant <laughs> neighbor stood up and was like, you guys always come in here and you promise and you promise and you promise. And he was like looking at all of us. And I'm mm. in this room with all of these leaders I have nothing to yep. do with. I'm just, yep. my face is there. Yep. Um, and so he's just kind of lumping me in with all of these officials. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh and so he was like, Well y'all are gonna make all these promises and do nothing. And so afterwards wow. I said, Sir, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but what I can promise you is if we come to play, if we mm-hmm. come to join you, it will be as a neighbor. And we will not make you a promise we will not mm. ju- we will not partner with. Mm. And we're here to listen. Mm. So we're not going anywhere. When all the cameras go away, when all the funding dries up yep. from this project, if we're in it, we're going to be with you. Mm. That is our commitment. Mm. We're neighbors first. Mm. And so he looked me in the eyes and he was like, I believe you. Mm. Wow. And so I just I saw really clearly the impact of this work. If you yeah. opt out of this work, when people start sniffing around and they feel something funny about you, mm. if you don't have this they don't have every reason, every narrative to back them up of like, you're not really for me. Mm. And when they do have a challenge, they don't have a person to go to to say, hey, can you help me figure this challenge out? Mm. And neighborhoods like ours, people come in all the time, mm. extracting data. Yeah, yeah. Let me come and do a got survey. An I got an you. idea. I got funding. I have a health mm. this. I have a school that. Mm. And all of it's good. Mm. But if it's not done with this posture of like, I'm just want to be a neighbor. I'm not here yeah, yeah. just to help you. Yeah. I also want to just neighbor. I just want to mm. be with you. 
I also need to receive from you, not just mm-hmm. get something from you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just think if you cannot opt out. If mm-hmm. you do, you may feel like, well, I'm going to save a couple of dollars if I don't mm-hmm. hire for this. It's yep. going to cost you way more on the other end yeah, yeah, if yeah. you do not finance this yeah. work. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that the two of you have taught me, and I think you've embedded into FCS, is the uh, the economy of a neighborhood, the only currency that works is trust, mm-hmm. right? Like if you don't have that in your pockets, you can't buy anything. You can't move anything. You can't, nothing will work, Right. And I think that's with the actual currency of dollars, because uh, we know community development is very expensive with literal dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Just the amount of disinvestment and segregation harm that's been done, it's going to take a lot of money, mm-hmm. a lot of dollars to make change. Uh, but I think we can assume if we had that, we could fix this. And like you, whether it's nonprofits or cities or private, private actors, I think sometimes we see those people who have more money than most nonprofits have ever seen, right? And because they have that money, they have that clout, they have that power, mm-hmm. they feel like if we can just put up some plans and make, look what we're going to build, look what we're going to do, that somehow that's going to like create the change they want. But they're like, but the neighborhood's sitting back being like, you, you're pocket, you're broke. You right. have got no trust mm-hmm. to exchange here. Uh, and how are you going to, how are you going to build that? Right. Um, so how do we, maybe that'd be our, our wrap up question for people who are saying like, Yes, I've got all these visions for my neighborhood, but I'm not leaning into this trust building. I'm not leaning into creating that cohesion. How do you begin? What, what, what are some pieces of advice you would say? Here's how you grow that bank account of trust so you can actually participate in this economy. One thing I always tell people is like, just act normal. <laughs> please, please act normal. How do you make friends in your real life? Do that here so like too. The horse, like coming in, like I'm here to save you. Like that's no. not a way to go in. Okay. Like just show up. Like be yourself, be normal, mm-hmm. and be or be awkward. Sometimes, or if awkward. you're not normal, don't be normal. Right. <laughs> be, be a little bit awkward and find other awkward people. Mm. But just be authentic and be yep. real. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it. Understand your limitations. Be mm. transparent mm. in why you're there mm-hmm. and what you're trying to do. Um, bring folks along. I, I just cannot kind of overestimate like, or overstate, like, just be a good friend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and build mm. real relationships and be treated, you know, treat people like you want to be treated. Mm. It's just, um, yeah. it's really, really basic. I think we make it way too complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just keeping people at the center mm-hmm. um, all the time mm. is, is just yeah. the way to go. Yeah. Mm. Um, I was going to say asking questions, but yeah. we all know, well, maybe you don't know. <laughs> In this context, that works. That does not work because um, mm. sometimes you come across like a probation officer where mm-hmm. you're like, tell me this and tell me that and tell me this. So I would say you want to ask particular questions and then mm. let it breathe. Mm-hmm. You more importantly want to be a curious participant. Yes. Mm. Um, you just want to like, like you want to be curious you want to be consistent. Mm. So, you know, if it's in our neighborhood, we have a watering hole, thank you, Lord, mm. or we can go at a coffee shop and sit and linger and all the good juicy stuff mm. comes right there. It's mm-hmm. like a magnet for awesome fodder. It's so good. <laughs> um, so wherever your watering holes are, you know, be consistent showing up in those places. Like Katie said, you can opt out because you may have the means to do that. Mm. But if you're trying to accomplish this work, you may want to pause that opt into the, what's around you, uh, utilizing that as a way of getting what you need, but also just building um, just relational equity mm. there, uh, letting people see you, you mm. seeing other people, getting into a rhythm of that. Mm. 
Um, consistency is the key because yeah. people can smell a program. Mm. Uh, and so if you show up as neighbor, then show up as neighbor. Like mm. just be in those places. And when you get the opportunity to sit with somebody and linger and ask questions, be really thoughtful mm. about what you're asking. Please don't pepper them mm. with all the questions. <laughs> Give it time. Let that thing breathe. Mm. Don't come across like a probation officer mm. um, where you're trying to get something from them because that mm. feels really scary. People are lifing yeah. and so they can feel yeah. some type of way. You may mean good, but it will feel some type of way. Mm. Um, so just let the thing breathe. Show up the next day. Ask a question back off like mm. just chill and mm. you don't have to do it all in a day like just relax yeah. Uh, yeah. go listen to stories uh, I had a friend he was in a coffee shop I think he like would come every day for like a month didn't say a thing just sat in the corner with his coffee giggled <laughs> he giggled so much didn't look crazy finally, though, huh? <laughs> it was weird this tall white guy in the corner giggling and then finally the coffee group that's in there was like, bro, what's going on? I'm like, come over. And mm-hmm. he came over. But that was after a month of him giggling in the, you know, just <laughs> him just taking in stuff going, these people are awesome. This I have to keep coming. Yeah. And so it's that, like, it's okay to be awkward. Like, just mm-hmm. whatever yeah. your brand is, yeah. bring it, let yeah. it breathe, chill, but just just be there. And I will also say this. When you start asking questions in neighborhoods like ours, if you go to neighborhoods similar to mm-hmm. ours, people want to come and they want to help. Yeah. What people will give you if you sit down long enough, people will start to get real mad, mm. and they have they'll take it out on you, and you'll because you're sitting there, yeah, yeah. and you're asking them questions, and people don't often ask enough questions. How are you feeling? How's mm. your day? What do you got going on? People mm. want to share, but nobody really sits anymore and asks those mm. questions. Uh, and so, be aware that you might get a whole handful of stuff mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not yours, but because you're choosing to linger mm-hmm. and be curious. Mm. You might get some stuff mm-hmm. because people have pulled out of these neighborhoods yeah. and everybody's yeah. feeling some type of way yeah. uh, and they just want somebody to hear their pain that mm-hmm. they're carrying. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so it, it's it's not a, a super awesome work. It's not super measurable, but man, is it uber important and it's going to make all the difference to that person you're sitting across from. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for this conversation, but more importantly, thank you for being heroines in this work that I admire and learn from all the time. So thank you. Place Matters is produced by Focused Community Strategies, whose mission is to partner with under-resourced neighborhoods to provide innovative and holistic development that produces flourishing communities and God's shalom. Place Matters is hosted by FCS's training and consulting team known as the Lupton Center. If you would like to inquire about our training and consulting services, please reach out to us via our website or find us on LinkedIn and social media. This information can be found in the show notes. If you would like to watch these episodes, the videos can be found on our YouTube channel. And if you like these episodes, please share them on social media. Your support means a lot to us. This show was edited by Tim Rhodes with music by Eric North. Special thanks to David Park and Becca Malpass at FCS for their work in organizing and recording these sessions. We'd also like to say thank you to our partner, Lily Endowment, whose Thriving Congregations grant has made this podcast possible. <music>